0: Uh, crackers, napkins, Clorox disinfecting bleach, check. Now, roses, uh, what if they wilt?
2: Attention, shoppers. Clorox disinfecting bleach is a great way to keep flowers fresh for longer. It'll even work for that uh, ink stain on your shirt. Ah,
3: not again. Clean anything with the versatile Clorox disinfecting bleach.
2: Discover more hacks at clorox.com learn.
0: There, rock and rollers, welcome to the 87th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded here in central London, just off historic Abbey Road. We are talking about classic rock, prog rock, hard rock, heavy metal, early MTV, and everything that turned us on back in the day. And I gotta tell you, this may be the proudest moment for me and Jackson since we started this almost two years ago is to finally have a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on our show. Really kind of just started off as two old friends talking about music during the pandemic because it's not like we go out and see it. We're thousands and thousands of miles away from each other. So we started having a conversation. And I said, you know what, let's record these. We'll make a show out of it. It'll be fun. It'll give you something to do during these days where you're basically just locked inside a flat all day long. And we started to pick up some momentum and make some friends, do some fun interviews. And now today, uh, after years of working on our craft and gaining knowledge about music that we love, being turned on to some new things and exploring that, we finally get to have a guest on from a band that we love. growing up. Not the first time we've had a, a great guest on. We've had Jeff Downs of Yes and Asia on. You know, we've had Deborah Bonham and Peter Bullock on to talk about their new album. We had Carl Palmer of Emerson, and Palmer, and Asia on as well. We had Chris Slade on to talk about all his great work over the years in ACDC and The Firm and Manfred Mann and Tom Jones. And I'm probably leaving some folks out, and I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm sorry about that. But one of the first shows we did, shows five and six, were on the legendary guitar player Steve Hackett. Steve, who was a genesis from 1971 to 77, and then has had a prolific solo career over the last 45 years, talking more than 30 solo albums and lots of great live albums and DVDs, especially over the last 15 years, ever since he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's basically been touring nonstop and it really hasn't been any different here except for COVID. And then once COVID was over, he had makeup dates to do and then he had new dates to do. So once everyone let him out after COVID, he has been running around all over the world like a madman to deliver this classic music to you. And I really got turned on to Steve about seven years ago. There's a documentary, some of the parts. I think it was a BBC doc, but it aired on Showtime or something like that in America and really delved into the rich history of Genesis from inception, from guys at a posh private school deciding not to go to college, looking at to continue to do this band. Then eventually they ditch some of their buddies. They pick up a couple of pros named Phil Collins and Steve Hackett, uh, and then they go into this really rich time of amazing progressive rock exploration that a lot of people hail as the greatest version of Genesis ever despite that the three of them had huge commercial success in the late 70s and early 80s once Peter and Steve left most people tell you that's fine that's cute I'm glad the housewives like that stuff but the stuff they did with Steve Hackett is monumental it's epic it's amazing it's the foundation for everything they would do later and Steve is really the one carrying it forward to this day. I mean Genesis just wrapped their last tour, their second in 30 years and they do some of the old stuff from the 70s but they have to do a lot of their 80s pop stuff you know whereas Steve has been honoring this and revisiting a lot of these classic records over the years. And this September is a couple really exciting things happening okay September 2nd. He has Genesis Revisited live, seconds out plus more, including some solo stuff. That's a double CD, a 4LP, a DVD. There's a lot of different versions, and you can pick it up at HackettSongs.com. Go ahead and pre-order that or order it now. But he's been really keeping this music alive, and there's an appetite for it. And not to denigrate anyone else, but I did see Genesis' second-to-last show in the O2 here uh, this past March, and I've seen Steve Hackett live. And especially when you consider bang for your buck, seeing Steve and his band do these songs is special. And if that's what you want to see, you've got no better deal than to see him and his band do it live. And you've got that opportunity because, like I said, he doesn't stop. He's still on tour wrapping up some Seconds Out stuff. And on September 9th, he's going to do Foxtrot at 50, where he's going to do Foxtrot in its entirety plus some old Genesis classics, plus more from his incredible solo catalog. So we're going to go ahead and talk with him a little bit about that here. Now, on to some business. Of course, we are a part of the Pantheon Podcast family of podcasts, music podcasts covering all genres uh, and many generations. There's something on there for everyone. We always shout out to our friends who we've talked with before, like Paul from Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks. Like Jay from the Hook Rocks, and like Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. And there's some really neat stuff coming from Pantheon soon we want to talk to you about. But we also want to talk about our sponsor, RareVinyl.com. If you are a record collector the way I am, whether it's LP, CDs, singles, '78, and it really doesn't matter the genre, they've got it all, go to RareVinyl.com or EIL.com and check out what they've got over 250,000 different pieces all of it in great shape, curated their amazing team, uh, and they ship all over the world. Uh, And if you use the code PODCAST when you make an order, you'll save 10% off your order, which always helps with shipping and handling and things like that. I recently ordered some great stuff from them. I can't wait to see that uh, here soon. So definitely check out rarevinyl.com, and thank you so much for sponsoring us. If you want some old pristine Genesis or Steve Hackett records or CDs, go to rarevinyl.com. Use the podcast code. They'll get it to you quickly and in great condition. So back to Steve Hackett, yes, just a master of the guitar, someone who is never stop making music, an amazing talent and a good guy. I mean, look, we're going to catch him after a 30-hour trip to get from the far east back to his home of England, you know, good luck finding me in a good mood after a, a couple of days like that. But here he is talking about the tour, talking about his process, talking about what he has coming up and, and why he's excited about it. You know, uh, so super guy. We're going to have a little preamble with me and Jackson talking a little bit before we came on, because well, as you can imagine, we're really excited. Someone who after we did our fifth and sixth shows said, wouldn't it be great to get Steve on here one day? Well, a year and a half later, here we are. Very excited about it, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as well. So a little bit of preamble for us, then we get into it with Steve. So for your listening pleasure, here we are with legendary guitar player of Genesis and member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Steve Hackett, right here on The Wolf. So this is a pretty cool day, Jackson, in that, you know, when we started the podcast, call it a year and a half or so ago. We kind of envisioned it as we're going to compare, you know, UK and US success of different artists and try to figure out why some people make it big in one place and maybe not in the other. And, and obviously as people who grew up on classic rock radio in America and MTV, Steve Hackett is underserved. We didn't know him very well, mm-hmm. um, but obviously part of it, uh, at least growing up, we did not. Uh, we were not privy to his, we just are not exposed to his music very much. I would say really not at all and you know part of the excuse was well this is excuse for me and jackson just kind of hang out and talk about stuff that that we like you know (laughs) but it was me saying look jackson i've discovered this guy steve hackett that you know we didn't know in college it was just one of those times where it's like i found this great artist i need the world to know about it but i really kind of needed you to know about it as much as i wanted the world to know about it you know right well and it was the thing too where you say
1: oh genesis oh no i know genesis now you really don't, you know, the, you know, the, the early eighties pop stuff, but you don't know the real meat and potatoes, prog stuff that, you know, from the seventies to Steve Hackett years. So you're right. You know, you got, you turned me on to this and it was just like a whole new world opening up. Like, how did I, not how did I miss this, but how did this, how did this escape me for so long? And to your point about the, you know, why is one thing bigger in the UK than in the U S it's, it's just really, it's just really dense. And it just takes, you just need to get into it and really have an appreciation for for the the complex songs, the composition and the musicianship of everyone in the
0: band. A- absolutely true, yeah. Obviously when we first got into music, MTV is, is where we got most of it, right? And, right. And, and so we saw his old band without him on MTV some, but really the only chance we would have had to see him was in GTR with Steve Howe, uh, maybe doing When the Heart Rules the Mind. Because that was a Mm -hmm. bit of a hit and a cool video. They definitely put some money into that. But then because I think of management issues, the band didn't really continue on. And and so when all you hear is classic rock, which is very controlled, especially now, by corporations, Mm -hmm. DJs don't, even in the 80s, didn't really, they get to choose what they wanted to play a little bit. But they weren't going to go play Supper's Ready for 23 and a half minutes, right? You they, they say, Correct. oh, you want to play Genesis? Uh, play Follow You, Follow Me. The girls like that one, you know? So Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just feel like we were deprived. And then once I found it, I was like, I got to tell the world about this. People got to know. <laughs> you know, people got to understand. It's not just Genesis. I mean, when you get into Spectral Mornings and Voyage of the Acolyte and Highly Strong right. and his solo work, it was fantastic you know and, and collaborating with some great people like richie havens and and obviously he got some of his old band members on his solo records I'm like this guy's great why what is it about america that can't embrace it? is it because he's not the lead singer is that what it is i think so
1: i think in in, in our discussions about uh jeff beck mm-hmm. I, I think that is the problem in america if you are not no matter how great of a, a guitar player you are if you are not out in front with the exception of maybe Jimmy Page, you're you just you don't get the same kind of attention and accolades that you do in other places.
0: No, that's true. And, or you've got to have the consistent lead singer, right? Like mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen had Dave and he had Sammy, you know, but but he's great. Eric Clapton sings his own stuff. Yes. Jimmy kind of consistently had certainly in the 60s and 70s, he had Robert Plant, you know, kind of thing. I don't know it's like peter gabriel solo was big phil collins solo was big in america genesis when there were three were big but it was like because he didn't have a distinct singer and he may have changed singers over the years and he was not that singer i don't know i just feel like it was his a and r people or it was the record company or it was american radio let him down but ultimately let us down and a lot of other rock fans because i know a lot about rock and roll music so do you and when i discovered him like i know jackson doesn't know anything about him there there must be more in america who need to know
1: the greatness of this man well and, and it kind of stinks because we missed out on it for a while but then it's also kind of it's it's fantastic because it's like a new it's a new thing to experience and that was my problem in uh, kind of in the high school and then going into college years with the stuff that I had listened to, you yeah, had listened to it a million times. And you kind of get to the point where you're like, well, you know, we, we talked about Led Zeppelin yeah, Led Zeppelin 4. Can I right. listen to this another time? So to get something new, to open this box full of new material mm-hmm. to look into is is incredible. And, and to be at a point in my life now where I can really appreciate that and dig into it is great also. Well, and the other
0: great part is, He's still going, and he's still making Mm -hmm. all sorts of new music and a lot of live albums and DVDs and things like that. I mean, sometimes you'll get into an artist like, I kind of got into Nick Drake for a while there a few years ago. Well, Nick Drake's been gone a long time. There there isn't any new Nick Drake coming out. I'm not going to get to see him live, and and that happens sometimes. (laughs) Okay, that concludes our preamble leading up to our interview with Steve Hackett. Now we're going to jump into our time with Steve. Before we do so, I just wanna give another prop to our sponsor, rarevinyl.com. If you're looking for your hard to find and rare edition or just pristine condition, old LPs, old singles, go to rarevinyl.com, use the code podcast and get 10% off your order. So if you're looking for a pristine copy of Foxtrot by Genesis or Selling England by the Pound or any of Steve Hackett's classic records, whether it be Spectrum Mornings or Highly Strung or even the new DVDs and CDs, the live album coming out here September 2nd, go to rarevinyl.com, use the code podcast, and get 10% off your order. Now, on to our time with Steve. Hello.
2: Hello. There
0: Hello.
1: he is. Hello,
2: Steve. Yeah. How are you doing?
1: Good morning. Or good, good afternoon. afternoon.
2: <laughs> good, evening. good evening, wherever we are in the world. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: And you've been all over the world here recently, sir. You're not letting any that's moss right.
2: grow under your feet. I know, I know. It's been crazy. So, yeah, we got back yesterday after a 30-hour journey, Woo. one of those crazy things. Uh, the body gives up telling you it's tired. <laughs> it's, it's a very strange thing. I could just pass out, of course, any
0: time. <laughs> so. Well, we appreciate well, you coming on. That's, that's for sure. All right. Pleasure. Hopefully Pleasure. we won't bore you. Oh, no, you (laughs) won't bore us. You won't be doing that. All right. Well, let's jump in because we could ask you four hours worth of questions, but I know you don't have that much time. So you've been doing the second out tour for over a year. Now, of course, it was delayed like so many other tours were delayed due to COVID. Uh, But you've had huge success. I mean, four continents, five continents, maybe six. It's been nuts,
2: isn't it? Yeah, really since last autumn we've been doing it. So it is nearly a year. Uh, haven't had any time to record for a year which is crazy you know not in a proper studio do you know what I mean so I'm Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, that that aspect is very odd you know uh, compressing all those shows all those obligations that have suddenly um, happened in 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 one time frame so we've just been through the busiest section which was crazy so in the past few days I've been in New Zealand Australia Borneo and Japan and now back in the UK so um uh yeah that that has been kind of nuts. I've got a I've got a nuts life but I've spent most of the day playing guitar just to remind myself you Good. know that I what I do on planet earth you know what I mean because I get very spaced out with all this. Believe me it's it's very it's very very odd keeping the planes flying when they let you get on them. Well, well of course yeah that's been the big that's been the big question over the last couple of years here and and that's obviously right, yeah Yeah,
0: and you've had to delay it, but then you want to make up those shows. And even later this year, you've got to make up, I think, shows in North America for Seconds Out, well, after Foxtrot starts.
2: That's right, yeah, even that, you know, because somebody caught COVID in the team, and so suddenly those things were were delayed. So, you know, yeah, we're doing lots of different sets in different parts of uh, the world. Some of it is selling England by the pound. Some of it, you know, unfulfilled selling England things. Other things have been uh, uh, seconds out there's been solo stuff from surrender of silence there's been some other things from spectral warnings and later in a year we get to do foxtrot so um, back to uh, i recognize that yeah <laughs> back to back to foxtrot which is a mere 50 years old this very it's amazing this very year so um, it's extraordinary isn't it that people still want to hear stuff that was uh, uh, 50 years old but you know beethoven probably didn't complain so <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things I wanted to ask you is in looking at your schedule, you've got a show on uh, August twenty first in Hungary to do Seconds Out, and then on nine nine you're in the UK to do Foxtrot. How that seems like a lot of material to switch back and forth between. How do you how do you kind of keep everything straight and keep the band tight and everything?
2: Well, I think at the drop of a hat, you know, there's a thing called sound check, which ends up being rehearsal rush right. up on certain, <laughs> certain things in fact in hungary i'll be doing stuff with jarby so it, it, it won't be the genesis stuff although there, there might be some genesis numbers in there we, okay. we tend to throw in a few uh with their own arrangement of those of those things uh but 90 percent of that is, is is improvised stuff as is the way with jarbi and that's a lot of fun that's that's right off the map you know it's nice to sort of tear up the equivalent of the score sheet and say, you know, this is this is all about solo. So I do very quick albums with them. Sometimes, you know, we get an album done in an afternoon, it's, a, it's an extraordinary thing. Amazing. And uh, I keep thinking they're going to say to me, you know, yeah, yeah, solo, you know, yeah, yeah, stop, do another one, you can get that better. But it's not like, you know, no, 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 just keep going, do another one, do another, <laughs> one, do another one, do another one, you know, uh, another song. So, um, sure, uh, it's 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 sort of jazz sensibility, it's very different from uh, the through composed, thoroughly disciplined world of of Genesis.
0: Well, it, but you complain, hey, well, I haven't really been able to go into a studio for a while. But during lockdown, you put out yes. two great records. You know, one oh, well, Surrender Science, yes, and uh, this one that we love very much on this show, All Under a Mediterranean Sky. Yes,
2: yeah, yes. yeah, Under a Mediterranean Sky was uh, a virtual journey because nobody could could leave home at that time. And suddenly, I thought, well. How do I, how do I take people places, or how do I appear in front of them? So we did, we did an album that was a, the equivalent of a, of a travelogue in a way. The idea of acoustic pieces that all had a flavour of individual places around the Mediterranean. So one or two Italian-based things, um, some some Scarlatti, some uh, Greek-influenced stuff, some Spanish-influenced stuff. It's the nearest thing to a classical album, or, or a soundtrack, or a travelogue, depending on what your descriptions are. But it, it's it, whatever it is. It's not it's not rock and roll. Whereas Surrender of Silence is rock and roll, for sure. But it's kind of it's a little bit like orchestral heavy metal, really. There's it a is. lot of orchestra on it, and there's <laughs> a, a lot of metallic stuff on um, that. That's a rock album, at least I think it's a rock album. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. My 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 descriptions probably. Uh, yeah, Trade Descriptions Act, falsifying genres. The genres of <laughs> rock I and mean. roll records.
1: <laughs> so when you were doing Mediterranean Sky, and, and this yeah. is something that it really, it really interests me as far as like artists and how they, how they create, did you set out to make an album or did, were you there and it inspired you to do that?
2: Um, I'll tell you what happened. We were halfway through an American tour. The world closed down. Nobody could tour anywhere. We got the last flight back from Philadelphia or else I would have been stuck there for months. And <laughs> right. lovely though, Philadelphia is. And, uh, you know, great friends there. But the idea was, how do you play in front of people? How do you, how do you keep it honest? You know, I, I couldn't access the band. I, I, I couldn't do that. So I thought, you know, once again, rely on your own fingers rather than farming it out, you know. Um, so that was the kind of work that I could I could do mainly on my own. Yes, sure, there was orchestral stuff. We had other players, we had samples, we, we mixed it all up. And it was a joy to do. It was good for the soul to do that. Then we took off a week or two and got straight away on with Surrender of Silence, in a very different album. And of course, yes, I could have released them as, as a double, and they would be very different sure. types of music. But it, yeah, it's somewhat schizophrenic, isn't it, really? You know, the, the acoustic stuff I do isn't, isn't just you know, the electric stuff, but done with acoustic instruments. It's very different. It's very different music. It's, it's very romantic. But, you know, you get to use the influence of places. Egypt, for instance. Hmm. Now, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what was the title of, of the Egyptian-sounding track. But I think, it, I think it might be track number three, which I was thinking of making number one, but we made the Malta one. Number, number one. that Sirocco? A Sirocco that's right yeah 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 the wind that, that blows in from North Africa I believe and of course we had been in Egypt and uh, we my wife Jo and I we'd done a trip up the Nile you know that trip of a lifetime on a boat leisurely looking at the sights absolutely wonderful and of course whenever I'm in Egypt the notebook is out and it's like you know the walls the paintings the sculptures mm. it all screams music it's all it's like an amplifier, and so much of it is pristine. The sandstone has been toughened by wind and rain, unlike the limestone that gets uh, diminished more, yeah. and crumbles. So yeah. this stuff looked like it was just built, and none more exotic than all all, all of that. So, and I'd also visited Lawrence of Arabia's place in uh, T A E Lawrence in 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 Wadi Rum, which was the uh, the Jordanian side of the of, of the. The desert seeing the actual house which is basically wow. in ruins in ruins now but you know we spent a night under the stars with 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 the bedouin people and that was absolutely lovely and, and of course it's another it's another side of it so the desert is wonderful the Nile is wonderful you can't comprehend all of it you can't be everywhere but we sure as hell tried and and so those descriptions came into the music sometimes it, it, it affects the rock and roll as well but in general, when I think of Middle Eastern stuff, uh, I usually think of of acoustic music, and occasionally it strays into 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 rock stuff
0: interesting, interesting. I want to talk to you a little bit about a place you visited earlier this spring, and that's Poland uh, yes, because uh, someone who I believe you know, Amanda Lehman, has been on your show a couple of times, and yes I, ha- I had to reach out to her to say are Steve and Joe okay there? Because the war in Ukraine had just broken out and they did have folks displaced in Poland at that time. And I was like, what was it like being there? Was there a heightened sense of awareness Were the streets busy or quiet or what was going on?
2: Well, there was. And and our promoter was saying, you know, he'd been helping refugees. He said, the trains are just full of women and children and we've all seen the pictures. And Mm -hmm. um, there was an idea of, you know, we had a spare we had a spare vehicle and we were going to try and get people to the UK, but unfortunately the UK has had such a draconian um, system of not actually letting in refugees, whatever they say, you know, uh, uh, whatever the spin is, the truth is that if there are refugees, no, sure, you don't know them personally and you can't vouch for them. So, right. um, you know, you're either opening your, your homes and hearts or not. And, and there were so many friends who wanted to do that. and um, I uh, couldn't do that because cause the government got in the way. But so that's that's a real shame because we could have done with the world coming together and, uh, en masse for that. That conflict is still going on. Indeed. But yes, yes, we we, we were, I don't know, arguably away uh, an hour away from where that stuff was was happening. But you know, that's that's just what happens on tour. Sometimes you're in, you're close to war zones. Sometimes you're close to banditry. Sometimes. You know, uh, uh, sometimes not even uh, touring with a band. Uh, you know, we were visiting Ethiopia. We went to certain regions that suddenly became no-go areas and and uh, what what have you say. So, you know, one of these days <laughs> you're going to get a ticket to somewhere and suddenly find that, you know, we were in Borneo visiting orangutans and and caves and the, all sorts of stuff Um and that was wonderful, but at any moment, you know that suddenly it could all go crazy. But a lovely place to visit, by the way, jungle. Jungle was good.
1: Yeah, we we really appreciate your uh, your travel blogs and just kind of the pictures from the road. Uh, definitely, a lot of places on my bucket list, especially Japan. But really cool yes. to see to see the the scenery and uh and just experience some of the culture through your travels. Yes.
2: Ah, well, and part of what we did when when it was lockdown was to do lockdown videos as well so um, if we couldn't take people places we could do it with the music so the, the music has to su- suffice at, at times you, you can't take people everywhere you can do blogs you can do photos you can do a representation of a bit like the film with Emily, the gnome that shows up everywhere you know we are we, we are those touring gnomes <laughs> yes. uh, but it's It's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, good, good. And from what I can see, Steve, from the last 15 or 20 years, you've been very, very productive. New music, lots of touring, lots of wonderful CD and DVD packages, and behind the scenes footage of you and Roger in the living room, you know, cutting up, you know, doing this stuff. It seems to me that not only is your talent and your work ethic the reason why, but it's because of two people in your life, Roger
2: and Joe. Yes.
0: What's it like, and, and, and to have those two on your side, and how do they influence the music that you make?
2: Well, they're they're both very different characters. I mean, Joe Joe wants to see the world, and she wants the music to tell a story. Joe said to me, "The kind of music she likes is anything but casual." She said, <laughs> "said to me, I'd rather heavy metal. At least it's full of passion, rather than casual. You know, clever casual bores her to tears." Okay. So. Yes, it can be classical, that can be full of passion. It can be flamenco, that's full of passion. It can be blues, you know, uh, as, long as, it's, as long as it's really felt and, and energetic and, um, and all the rest, it seems as if the, the genre is flexible, but the passion has to, be, has to be there. That's her take on it. Roger, much more of a cerebral take. He's a bit of a contradiction. At times, you know, he said to me, I don't, I don't really like romantic music romantic classical stuff that's what he he said he said i know I, I prefer either bach the, you know the baroque master or he goes straight to stravinsky okay. um and but in recent times he decided to start taking piano lessons over again in order to learn how to play chopin very quietly and i said yeah chopin romantic you know what's going on there? He said, "Yes, I have to admit it." So um, I don't know. He he, I he must be. You know, he he would be mortified if I said he was a closet romantic. But there you are, <laughs> <laughs> closet romantic. Very very dry sense of humour. Very accomplished. Great great player. At, at times, I I I I'll hear him playing a a Bach piece, absolutely uh, 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 perfectly. And and I say to him, "Yeah, do you want to do that tonight?" on stage, do you want to just uh, uh, wander in? that? He said, oh, no, 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 there are, there are people around who are far better than me at doing that. What do you want <laughs> to record it? I said to him, and he says, no, no, there are far better people you know. It. So he argues himself out of anything like that. Whereas, you know, as an untrained musician, I will attempt a piece of Bach just because I love it. And I don't care that I'm not John Williams or Segovia or any anyone, I do it and, and get to feel every note and i'm i'm not interested in being graded by classical experts that doesn't worry me you feel it or you don't that's that's really it i don't i don't care that the other people who can you know do that for a living
1: i think that's really what it is when you you make music and you allow people to feel something when they hear your music but you are also affected by music too and and just the sheer joy of being able to reproduce it and to play it uh, is something that i think A lot of people including us wish we could do and so to have somebody like you do that and just listen to it is it's just it's
2: phenomenal well you know i just try and make when i do that sort of stuff just try and make a perfect record and so the way to do it you know so having this conversation with with um Anthony Phillips, who is known mean guitarist himself and has written some of the most wonderful Genesis stuff before I joined. So my predecessor in Genesis, he says to me, you know, about, about the Bach stuff, you know, he said, Oh, you know, how did you do that? And I did, Well, you know, we 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 do it in small chunks, do you know what I mean? And we we put it together that way. You know, I'm 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 never gonna go out and do an evening an evening of Bach mistakes with Steve Hackett we we just don't want to do it but to record something it's a bit like it's the equivalent of painting isn't it it's the it's the Sistine Chapel it's it's the work is so valuable a little bit like Shakespeare perhaps why would an actor want to do Shakespeare make a film of of that because it's not going to make money it's not going to set the world alight. but it's paying homage to something where you your version of it is a footnote to what everyone else does. It's a bit like Everest, isn't it? Why climb it? It's because it's there, you know. It's <laughs> it's because it's it's because it's wonderfully detailed. And uh, again, uh, to my mind, it it doesn't sound like a surfeit of logic. It sounds like a collection of passionate moments, or at least that's how I how I see it. We don't really know what, what Bach was was thinking, do we? We, we We don't know. The church never allowed us to find out what he was really thinking. So Roger thinks it's all the cover, all that religious stuff. He thinks that Bach was really a again, you know, closet romantic. (laughs) Well maybe so. We'll never know. Fumblings in the organ loft.
0: (laughs) Well, we were, look, I was fortunate enough to catch one of your Palladium shows here on Seconds Out. Wow. Uh, very, and great to see Amanda with you. I've got tickets to Hammersmith, but it, it seems that what I'd really love to see, Steve, is one of your Trading Boundaries shows where you oh, do okay. pull out the nylon. I, and I didn't yeah. hear about that. I, mean, I know you did one yes. last year. You have a couple more scheduled for January. Can you tell us about the dynamic of those shows versus like the traditional theater show?
2: Okay. In general, I haven't been doing... Many acoustic shows in in recent years. I I, I did do uh, a, a previous years where I was doing practically nothing but. But I didn't want to confuse people, having sort of convinced promoters that I was good for box office. <laughs> um, if, if if you start doing that, uh, there's always the danger that they'll say, yeah, well, actually, we would prefer you to do you know something rock, prefer you to do something Genesis uh, acoustic. Yeah, all very nice, but blah 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 blah. You know but what puts bums on seats is uh, <laughs> something else. What you spend doing it in your, in your, in your, in your private hours and you, and you occasionally release, whether it's something um, that's acoustic, that's personally written, or it's, it's something that's an homage to you know, a previous model like going through the, the Segovia songbook, those gigs can be very special. And sometimes I'll come off stage having done those um, acoustic gigs because there is nowhere to hide and I think that my evening was just full of fumblings and all those things and then people come up shake my hands, say absolutely marvellous you know really wonderful but you know personally what what you're aiming for is the standard of excellence that you can't always you can't you can't reach yeah wouldn't it be fantastic if we were all superhuman and we all came up with perfection but Acoustic music—if you go at it seriously, try and break break some boundaries with it. Uh, you will make mistakes. You will you will stumble and fall. That's just in the nature of it. I mean, I remember seeing John McLaughlin with Shakti years ago. You know, phenomenal technique, extraordinary stuff. And some friends just saw him recently playing with Gary Husband, who's also phenomenal. And Gary plays keyboards with with John McLaughlin and and drums with Level Forty Two. How is that possible? I do not. know. <laughs> talk about supermen and wonderful and 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 i i do admire john's work particularly with the los angeles guitar quartet where john was playing slowly and melodically um, the work of bill evans jazz piano stuff given over to quartet and, and john improvising over the top very very beautiful work very very not really like pat metheny but you know you can drift off to pat metheny as well this idea of ambient jazz it's that's an interesting area, mm. um, not too much indulgence, more a case of not exactly music for siesta, but it's it's the kind of, you know, defies description. Does acoustic music have to be fast in order to be impressive or can it can it float? Can it afford to do that? So I like to have a fair amount of, of um, effect on the guitar unless we're doing something uh, percussive. And I think it can it can cast a spell. I think at a trading boundaries, what's nice is that they've got Buddhas behind you and smoke going on. So, you know, there there's already an atmosphere of serenity and calm as people are having their they have a meal and then and then they get to watch an act and you might happen to be that act that night. So we do it once a year. We normally do about two shows. There might be three. I I don't know. And um, It's great. You know, Michael Clifford does a wonderful job um, of making that very, very special. I don't know how how he runs that that place, but they're also doing a hotel as well. So, you know, you might be able to stay and stay and watch and eat and listen and all all that. You know, it's it's uh, it's extraordinary stuff.
0: Hi, I'm Amanda Layman and you're listening to Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast.
1: Now, the interesting thing that you said was you were talking about Making mistakes, and you know you're thinking about making mistakes, but yeah. but you have to realize, like for the people in the audience, us mere mortals, just to hear uh. you, it's it's just you're taking us on a ride, and it's it's great. And even though you think, well, that wasn't exactly right, to hear yeah. it, especially played live, there really yeah. is nothing like that. And and, and it's just Chill. it's the whole journey. And and for yeah. people who for the millions of people out there who either don't play an instrument or play it kind of, you know, on the weekends or at night or whatever, to hear somebody who does that professionally is, is really, it's phenomenal. And I don't think anybody can tell if you're making mistakes. That's, that's people are just happy to yeah. be there.
2: Oh, you know, I, uh, one night we were doing. I, you know, I have to admit to being human. You know, that that that, that we we did. Um, there's a track I wrote, a sort of commemorative piece, when Genesis reformed in 1982 in order to bail out WOMAD and and to help with that. And I flown 3,000 miles to be there for the gig. And I, I wrote this piece, and, and I ended up calling it "Time Lapse." And train boundaries. One night, I, I played it moderately well, and the next note, the next night, I, I tried to play, it and I, you know, I couldn't even remember the opening phrase, and I went <laughs> yeah. at it about three or four times. I thought, people are probably thinking, "What's he doing up there?" You know, well, <laughs> and maybe it was all in the right key of D, but of course, nobody really knows what's going on in the mind of the performer. What are you aiming for? And what do you actually pull off? And so you can't give yourself a hard time. And funny enough, Hugo Dagenhart was there, who's a phenomenal drummer I've worked with in the past. And I, I said to him, oh, sorry, you know, it was such a balls up, wasn't it tonight? He said, no, oh, no, it seemed like precision stuff to me. So there you are, even in, 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 the, in the eyes of the mind, the ears of, of well-known professionals. Nobody really knows, you know. They're not sitting there with the program going, oh, yes, this is the third movement of the Brandenburg and it's going to be played just so. It's not that. Although when I saw you
0: do Supper's Ready at the Palladium, there were people who knew note for note what was going on there. And this is is not a five-minute pop song. This is a 25-minute epic, right? And they seem to know know it backwards and forwards. It was amazing how uh, the fans react with that piece of music.
2: Yeah. The only time I get really to be spontaneous on that is during the play out. I do something like the established phrases that were done when it was multi-tracked all those years ago, and then go off the go off the plot and and step through my noises and toys and and uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's surprising how it goes. Some nights it can be 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 really great, and other times I think. You know, I'm, I'm just overplaying and it's not really cascading in the right sort of way. But there are times you just got to go for it and say, well, I'm not going to be reverent at the end. I've done the whole thing as you know, as far as it's written. This is it. The sermon on the mount. Here comes supper's ready. But maybe we get that little bit at, right at the end. And um, and I can, I can cut loose on that. And it usually ends up with the guitar sounding a bit like bird song in the end. I've usually got a backwards effect on it, and with my ring, I'm just circling the strings, and it sounds like tweeting birds, and it becomes another kind of music uh, right at the end. And um, I'm very happy, very happy with that. We learned music from the birds, didn't we? The, yes. the birds that were once dinosaurs. So it's it's taking it back to to the source in a in a sense. If I don't sound too pretentious. With that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, sure.
1: Here we go. Well, I mean we, we were very always very interested in the creative process and, and how it works and one thing that'm I'm, that I'm interested in about you is you you play the Fernandez guitar it looks yep. like a Les Paul but it's not it's a Fernandez yeah my question is I mean you could have anything that you wanted. you could have any guitar on the yep. face of the earth why that one Well the sustainer
2: facility okay was something that twenty years before that technology was there I used to dream of a guitar that, that had an on Onboard board EBO so that you could have complete sustain, no tyranny of volume, complete accuracy with that. And one of the additions that I asked uh, Fernandez to do was to put a, a, Floyd Rose tremolo arm on as well. So that okay. you had, you know, the ability to be able to not just dive bomb, but to be able to bend <laughs> the and, and let them sustain on and sometimes use the vibrato facility and other, other things and police car noises and all that. It's, it's great at, the, at those sort of those chases. It's just one of the things you can do with that. But at, at the moment, I'm I'm between three guitars, electric guitars. One of them is a Les Paul. The other one, the, the Fernandez that I've been using live, used to belong to Gary Moore. God rest his soul. Wow. We shared the same guitar tick at one point. And when Gary passed on, Graham Lilly said to me, "We used to bring this on on tour for you as as a spare. You know, are you interested in?" buying this and by the way i've got another one i thought you're, you're great because you know I, I don't have enough of these <laughs> just in case anything happens yeah. to mine so um mm. so i've been playing that and uh, it sounds great by the way when you've got uh, an Engel amp angle amp marshall speakers and the fernandez guitar seems to be a really extraordinary combination when i was just playing in in, in japan uh, and australia we were using Actually, I think it was in Japan specifically we were using Marshall again. And a different sound, no doubt about it. And I also, I did some work years ago with Brian May, who became a friend, and uh, he, he and I did a couple of projects together. And just recently, I ended up swapping up another Les Paul with a pal of mine for one of those guitars that, that Brian and his father designed. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, I've been recording some stuff with that, and it, that sounds fabulous but all of these guitars do something slightly different there hasn't been a guitar built that does absolutely everything so i am swapping guitars around when i'm playing live at the moment sometimes it's just because there'll be one that's detuned i used to play one guitar all night with, with genesis that was the Les paul from, from 57 i remember that one uh, yeah one wonderful guitars we have tried i i've Got to play Greg Almond's guitar recently, uh, which was uh, the one that he used on on, on Layla. The thing that I believe starts it out is I believe that's him, but we 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 don't really know. You know, the Hallowed right. Halls of, yeah. of privileged guitarists, not all of whom are still with us. And that was a '57 Les Paul, uh, which is remarkably similar to my to my one, and so I, I felt like I was playing. The same guitar but yes of course they are standard aren't they you know they they come off the production line but they do have a life of their their own so the les paul was the go-to guitar for me as a as a kid i used to dream i used to dream of owning that i used to think anyone who's got a les paul on the marshall has already made it now now go and do the mona lisa <laughs> go and do that you've got you've got, to, you've got the wherewithal to do Whatever, and then you know, and then you spend the rest of your life trying to uh, be worthy of the great instrument that's what
0: Thank you kindly, sir. I know you got to jump to another one. Go get some rest, and I, we'll yeah, see I, you I, on the road soon. Lovely
2: talking to you guys.
0: Thank if you I so much. If I seem a
2: bit spaced and jet lagged, um, that's because I am. So, uh, anyway, great to talk. <laughs> You've heard it, you know. Th- thank Joe They're and, and cool. thank, thank Sharon you. for us Good kindly. Thank you I thank will you. I will thank them all lovely ladies <laughs> Hi this is Steve Hackett and you're listening to the ugly American werewolf in London <laughs> he just came
0: off a 30hour flight
1: oh my goodness
0: from the Far East Wow uh, And he jumped on with us to talk a little bit about the uh, the upcoming release here I think that's September 2nd that the there's a few different versions of it it's basically a live account of his seconds out tour there's cd dvd cd blu-ray there's a 4lp version i think that's available uh and you can pre-order that now and then of course a week after that the 9th of september he starts foxtrot at 50. just the guy doesn't stop man
1: and i, I like that uh, comment about how the sound check is the rehearsal come on here we go yeah
0: <laughs> well i mean the fact of the matter is He's been revisiting a lot of this music for a long time. His band has been pretty tight together. He's had a couple of changes over the years, but he's had a lot of the same folks in the band. So, and he's obviously, Supper's Ready was on Seconds Out. So getting ready for Foxtrot, well, that's half of it. To be honest with you, that's half the record. But to be able to throw in a Horizons, you know, the acoustic bit that he does ahead of Supper's Ready is like the only thing on the second side of Foxtrot that's not Supper's Ready. I'm looking forward to doing that. I didn't realize that Watcher of the Skies, not only was he a co-writer with the other guys in the band, but his brother John Hackett was a co-writer on that as well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that.
1: that is, that's very interesting. I, I really wonder how, it, it's, it's one of those things that you could ask a thousand times, you know, what would have happened had he stayed in the band? What would Genesis have been with him into the 80s? Who knows?
0: Yeah, but then you also ask, well, would he have done Spectral Mornings if he was still in Genesis? Exactly. Not getting his ideas across. From what I understand is, and if you look at the video, the documentary, some of the parts, which from what I understand, Steve is not a huge fan of because I think they build it as his contributions outside of the band would have been a bigger part of the story, and then they really kind of cut it down to basically when he was in the band. But in that, he said he basically decided it was a lot easier to negotiate with himself than trying to get a, a, up against <laughs> Tony Banks. who, From what I understand, he's the one who screams the loudest. He's the one who pounds his hand on the table. like, we're doing this. So, and it,
1: yeah. you're right, it definitely is easier. All in favor, I, okay, we're doing this.
0: Because he stuck around for a couple of albums, Trick of the Tail and Wind and Wuthering, after Pete left, after Peter Gabriel. Right. And was obviously on seconds out. Uh, the the live album which he's been touring on for a year now so god bless him you know i mean he's not stopped since they let him out after covid he has not stopped and he has gone is it five continents is it six i don't know it's more than i have done that's for sure it's got to be one of those things where you wake up in the morning you just all
1: right where am i now and where are we going today because Mm -hmm. i'm starting to lose track and what time is it
0: yeah And he just keeps making new stuff. How many artists, we were talking about this the other day, how many artists are happy to cruise on their back catalog? And while yes, Mm -hmm. he is celebrating albums that are 45 and 50 years old, he's still putting out a new album every couple of years, if not two, like he did during the pandemic in a year. You know, So this is someone who's kind of, to me, an open channel. Like it, it just, it never stops. It's always coming through him in some way. And now he's got a collaborator and Roger and some of the other members of the band to really kind of make it happen.
1: Yeah, and, and it was interesting to to hear him talk about switching gears and playing different styles of music and and not just being locked into one and I think that to your point that really is the the dividing line between acts that are nostalgia like that's all they're going to do is tour on the back catalog mm-hmm. and guys like Steve who who are actively making new they, they actually they actively have more things that they need to express and are constantly writing new music.
0: And it's connecting. I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, last year's UK tour was the biggest tour, most dates he'd ever done in the UK in his life. I mean, it, you know, maybe not Genesis. I, mean, I think back in those days, they toured the heck out of him. In fact, <laughs> from from what I could see in researching for the show, you know, he joined in 71. Their first album that he did was Nursery Cry and, and Phil Collins' first album with the band as well. And the tour really took it out of it. Because this is the first time he's in a pretty big band, and I think the tour yeah. really kind of wore him down. He's like, do I even really want to do this anymore? Because that that's hard work. I'm not sure that, you know, that I'm a fit. And the guy's like, no, no, look, we like the way you play. You did great. Please come back. And then it's really Foxtrot, from what I can tell, although we may think that Selling England by the Pound is their best, and a lot of people share that view. Obviously, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway is the epic. But – Foxtrot is where that classic lineup of Gabriel Hackett, Rutherford Banks, and Collins really kind of solidified, and they really started to create their sound. You could hear some of it on Nursery Crime, but Foxtrot was more of the whole package, and obviously Supper's Ready is monstrous. It's, epic. Mm-hmm. it's huge. Yeah, and I think wasn't,
1: wasn't Lamb Lies Down, wasn't that all like Peter Gabriel? Like that was his concept.
0: The story. Yes. The concept. And and I think all the lyrics maybe. Yes. But I mean, he didn't play any guitar on it, you know? Right. But I think it's different when you've got, you know,
1: this is what I want to do to kind of getting everybody together and just throwing stuff on the table and seeing what,
0: seeing what, uh, what rises to the top. Very kind of him to take some time when you know, he's, exhausted he
1: had yeah and be. and just yeah just a real just a real pro to not like a you know come on hurry up let's get this over with i mean i i feel like we could had he had was a little more rested and didn't have another thing to do in 10 minutes right we could have spent a lot more time
0: with him well and that's well that's for sure i mean you know we've got four hours worth of questions and we only had <laughs> Right. But I mean, but, but even this fall, I mean, look, you know, so it's, he just wrapped up his Far East and Australia tour a little bit. Right. But he's still got coming up here very shortly, like next week he's in G- Germany and Italy, you know, for like nine or 10 days. I think he's going to Malta in early August. You know, he mentioned he was going to be playing with Jabe in several places, you know, around, uh, in Europe in mid to late August. And then yeah, Foxtrot at 50 starts through September and October here, then he's got to go back to North America for the seconds out dates that he missed, you know, in Canada, and in uh, in the US. Mm -hmm. And then next year, look, he's already starting to book dates. I mean, he's got a tour of, uh, of continental Europe already booked doing Foxtrot at 50, you know, next summer, he's gonna have more. So yeah, what is he 72 73. (laughs) But
1: I mean, obviously a guy who's, he's not ready to just retire and, and go on, you know, gardening leave. He, he's still out there, you know, traveling the world. Great to have uh, his wife by his side, who's definitely a, a, a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, yeah. she said, I want to travel. Okay, let's go. Just, you know, having, living his best life.
0: Absolutely. And, and happy for it, too, because I don't think it's 72. Maybe I'll be traveling some, but I won't be working the way he is, I don't think. <laughs> well, that's because you don't have a job. And
1: <laughs> unfortunately, I don't have a job where it was like, I, I have to do this. I have to. He's got these ideas in his head that have to come out. And I think he genuinely enjoys playing live and playing with the with his band and, and collaborating with people yeah just just a passion that unfortunately most people don't have with their occupation yes yes well
0: unless we can turn this into our full-time occupation jack well there we go we're working on you know and, and maybe <laughs> by the time we're 70 to 73 this is this will be all we do you know it's <laughs> You know, we interview classic rock people. You know, if we're 72, there's not going to be many of them left around to interview, unfortunately.
1: I mean, you never know with modern medicine. So you're 128 (laughs)
0: years old. How is that going? (laughs) So, Dave Grohl, yeah, you're looking good for 86. (laughs) Can you hear me okay? What's that, (laughs) (laughs) say? He's great. And if you've got a chance to see him, I mean, he's not doing too many dates. In North America, this December and, and late November, because again, it's really just about making up dates that he had to cancel for one reason or another mm-hmm. uh, last year. I know he's got several in uh, Toronto and one in Montreal and Quebec City, but you know, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. There's a few places he's going to hit. Definitely go check that out and. Uh, obviously continental europe look the last date that he has booked is utrecht netherlands may 8th i'm hoping he adds amsterdam netherlands may 9th maybe may 10th
1: yeah I, I would think so and and i would i would hope i didn't get to ask him this but i would hope that there would be another north american leg added on probably to the back more for the foxtrot because i think it looks like the ones that he's got now are the seconds out makeup shows right. so i'm i got my fingers crossed that that's in the cards
0: somehow i'm gonna bet that it is I, i'm guessing it is i don't know if that'll be before he does germany like maybe he comes back in march or something for that mm-hmm. or would he postpone it till do it in the summer something like that i would rather tour europe in the summer than america america is just hot and it can get nasty there in, in the summer yes I'd, yeah. I'd rather be in america in the spring but that's just me it's it's 80 degrees here in london <laughs> and i'm about to melt <laughs> which you're like laughing like Pfft. It's 80 degrees by the time I wake up.
1: Dude. Exactly. <laughs> At 6 30 this morning, it was 80 degrees. But that's okay. We will survive.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to our talk with Steve Hackett, the guitar legend who just has so much going on right now. I mean, still wrapping up his seconds out tour in Europe. Uh, Going to be doing some dates with Jabe in Eastern Europe in August ahead of September 2nd when the live DVD, CD, LP, however you want to buy it, uh, seconds out and more, uh, revisited, comes out. And you can get that anywhere, including at our sponsors, rarevinyl.com, where if you use the code podcast, you get 10% off your purchases. Uh, So go ahead and pre-order that, but you can also get it at Hackett Songs. And I encourage you to go to HackettSongs.com. It's got Steve's travel blog on there. Obviously, it's got all those tour dates and releases, uh, upcoming shows, uh, and just great videos and pictures and and way to interact with, with him. But it also shows all of his great releases. And just go back and look over the last 12, 15 years, all the great live packages that he's put together from these various tours. Yes, revisiting a lot of Genesis stuff, but also revisiting some of his solo stuff. Like you mentioned Spectral Mornings and things like that. He's just prolific. He's an open channel. He's one of those guys that will, something will come to him in a dream and he'll have to wake up in the middle of the night and play it and try to go lay it down. He just does not stop creating music, and he obviously loves to play live because he has not stopped, uh, you know, for years, you know, and he just kind of keeps going, keeps going. Foxtrot at 50 Tour starts in England September 9th, and I think there's about 25 or so dates there, uh, including one at Hammersmith that I do have tickets for, and I definitely can't wait to see that. So, look, I know a lot of people know who Steve Hackett is. I know a lot of people are old-school Genesis fans. I just know that I'm almost 50 years old, and I know a lot about classic rock music. I got thousands of records. I spent countless hours listening to the radio, watching music documentaries, going to live shows, all that, and until I was about 42 or so, something like that, I didn't really have any concept of who Steve Hackett was. Now, that's kind of my fault, but I really also blame American Rock Radio, and I blame MTV, and I blame the record companies who say, well, that's just not what we're interested in pushing right now. Because his music is genius, and it covers all sorts of genres. You talk about classical and heavy metal and blues-oriented stuff. I mean, he's got more solo releases than Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, Tony Banks, and Mike Rutherford put together, okay? He has never stopped. He's just prolific, you know? And you can tell from our interview, he's a genuine guy. You know, he is something who... Is someone who serves the music, serves the fans very well, and and doesn't have any interest in quitting. So if you weren't familiar with Steve, hey, listen to his records. Listen to old Genesis records. Listen to our old shows. Episodes 5 and 6 were in-depth all about Steve Hackett. It was really me trying to coach Jackson up on who Steve Hackett is. I think episode number 28 was on Selling England by the Pound. One of our very favorite, or at least most popular episodes, was our review of him live at the Palladium. I think that's about episode number 44 or so from last year. But you can listen to any of that, get a feel for him. Go out and buy the new live album, Seconds Out, live, uh, plus solo stuff coming out September 2nd. And then if you're in the UK, definitely go see him on Foxtrot 50 tour. I've got a feeling for our fans and fans in the U.S. that Foxtrot 50 will be coming your way in 2023. We just don't have those dates at this point. So thank you kindly to Steve. Uh, Thank you to his wife, Jo, who helped coordinate this, and to Sharon uh, at uh, Publicity Connection uh, for hooking us up. Thank you kindly. It was a great time for us, and I hope Steve enjoyed it as well. Now, as usual, we have to wrap things up. And we want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? What would you have asked Steve Hackett had you had the time with us? Well, let us know. You can tweet or DM us at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. You can also email us UglyAmericanWerewolf at gmail.com. Let us know what records, bands, concerts, DVDs, what musical shows you want us to talk about. Uh, Thanks again to our sponsor, rarevinyl.com, where you can use the code podcast to get 10% off all of your purchases. And thanks to all of our friends and family members of the Pantheon podcast network of shows, about 100 shows with something for everyone. And there's some really exciting things going on with Pantheon right now that we can't wait to share with you here real soon. So you're going to have to stay tuned for that. Next week, we actually welcome a special guest. Special guest that some people who listen to our show probably will know. He's Mr. Sonny Hollywood Pooney, who has his own fantastic podcast, Growing Up Rock. And he's been a guest on many, many different podcasts all over the world. And he, on a regular basis, I think on a monthly basis, he does album review crew with the guys Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. Sonny's a great guy. He's a little bit older than us, but he basically grew up around the same time as we did. Uh, And he knows his 80s hard rock better or just as well as anybody out there. He's got the details. He lived through it. He knows his stuff. Super guy. So it was a real fun conversation. We can't wait to share that with you on the show here real soon. So thanks again to Steve Hackett and to all you rock and rollers all around the world. Be cool and stay safe.